Welcome to the Brian Piergrossi Podcast, the podcast community for living your best life and creating a more beautiful world. Each episode, we inquire into the frontiers of inner peace, love, freedom, creativity, and empowerment with authors, artists, musicians, healers, spiritual teachers, yogis, activists, revolutionaries, entrepreneurs, comedians, scientists, psychologists, poets, mystics, and you. These conversations are unedited and always 100% authentic to how they happened. I'm your host, personal coach and author Brian Piergrossi. I've worked for over 13 years with thousands of people around the world to break through unconscious limiting belief systems and bring healing, transformation, and inspired manifestation to those who are ready and interested. For online personal sessions with me or in-person sessions with me in the magic of the Blue Ridge Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, contact me at thebigglow.com. The sponsor of this podcast is you. If you appreciate our community, become a patron supporter at patreon.com slash the big glow. Welcome everybody to the Brian Pergosi podcast. That's me. Really happy to have Annie Marie with me and you're in Boulder, right? I am. It's really good to be here with you today. Yeah, and we uh, yeah. we've been, we've been we've trying, been <laughs> trying to get this set up for a while, and yeah, it seems like this is the moment. It is so, um, right yeah. after solstice, and we had this great conversation on Zoom. I guess it was a few months ago now, mm-hmm. and it was so funny because I thought it was for like a podcast you were doing. So I'm like, oh, this is great. I was gonna, you know, <laughs> like, no, we're just having a conversation. <laughs> That's right. I was interviewing you for my power reclamation <laughs> yeah. system. It's right. Yeah. Yeah. But now this is for a podcast. So well, how we're fun. really doing it. Yeah. How fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, you really struck me at first because I don't, you know, all these things are, seems like they're divine synchronicity, how they appear and when they appear and how they appear. But mm-hmm. I came across a, somehow an Instagram post of yours and just loved how you were articulating things, how you're communicating things and mm-hmm. um, felt so aligned and resonant with what you were sharing and it brought up this interesting inquiry for me. And this is kind of what I want to explore with you. We did explore it a bit when we talked in zoom. Um, so I felt so aligned with what you were sharing and you were um, using the term rewilding yeah. for what you were sharing. And I've kind of been like under this kind of spiritual banner or the kind of in the realm of like spiritual teachers or these kind of people. Um, and it kind of brought this inquiry for me of like, wow, I think maybe I'm more aligned with what the rewilding community is sharing than what the spiritual community is sharing. Um, mm-hmm. Even though there's so much that's the same, Absolutely. but there's things that are different. And so I kind of just wanted to explore that with you. And I know you, you've been immersed in you know, the non-dual field and the spiritual mm-hmm. field as well. And so I'd love to hear kind of like your journey of, you know, just your journey of, I imagine this all starts as, for us, we're, we're trying to discover our, for ourselves what's true for us and what's, what brings us a sense of well-being and 
what's aligned. So I'd love yeah. just to kind of hear a bit like of your journey and, and, and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, I'd love to share. It's, mm-hmm. Before I do, I just want to comment on something you said because it feels like such rich ground. And it's this question of like, what's the distinction between um, wh- where in our spiritual lives do we feel like there isn't a quality of, of wildness? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I think about it, um, my journey around rewilding has really, it's taken on a lot of different faces. You know, I would say originally it was, I was very, wedded to a belief system around who I was supposed to be as a woman. You know, I I went through this whole very conventional path of looking for a husband and, you know, doing a very conventional thing, not to say that that isn't all relevant and important, but I was lost in it becoming who I thought I should be. And so my journey has been a lot around deconstructing my idealizations of who I thought I was supposed to be because underneath it all, I think there was so much that wasn't getting tapped. And when I think of wild, like rewilding, I don't think of it as like a careless thing. I think of it as actually something where we're coming so deep into our authentic voice that we're starting to dismantle anything that represents some quality of domestication. You know, for me, that has been really hunting for where are the places in my life where I do, even if it's not even a conscious thought, like I'm doing things because I think I should. And, you know, one of the biggest gateways for me has been my sexuality and just, just the whole quality sense of our erotic nature, meaning eroticism as our life force. And like, what, how, what do we do with that energy? And for me in the, in the business world as a young woman, like that was not an okay energy for me to run, but it's part of who I am. And so it was such a complex thing for me of like feeling punished for having it and also feeling like it was what generated my energy. So I could say a lot more, but I'll pause there just because that feels like really it's, I'll just say this, my journey has been so much about dismantling a lot of ideas of who I thought I was supposed to be. And I think that's in every aspect of my life. Love that. I think a, a, a word that stuck out to me was authenticity. Yeah. You know, it feels like there, we, we both have this um, desire to, to, to step into what is authentic. Exactly. What is genuine, what is real and what is true. And um, there, there's that old saying, which is there for a reason, which is the truth sets you free. That's you right. Know? So I feel like the more that you step into your authenticity, um, the more free you feel inside, the more empowered you feel inside, the more um, self-love you feel and love you feel for the universe, uh, the more serenity and harmony you, you step into. So, and that, that involves, you use the term deconstructing, it involves like being able to look at beliefs, being able to look at conditioning, being able to look at different um, assumptions yeah. that are there and kind of really check if they're, if they're true or if they're genuine or not. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. I think it's such a, I love how, what Brene says about authenticity, Brene Brown, she talks about it as being like a daily practice because I think it's, that's probably been the biggest challenge around rewilding myself is actually discovering where I'm inauthentic. And I think half the time I haven't been able to see it because I'm living in this double bind it's like on the one hand, I might have this idea of who of 
you know, like I'll give an example. This is a long ago, but when I was an undergrad, I really wanted to study therapy. I wanted to, psychology was really interesting to me. And I remember telling my mom and she was like, therapy's for quacks. And I was like, oh, you know, and I remember like tucking it in and just thinking, oh, that's not good. That's bad. And I mean, I wasn't old enough to know, but I, I was still so incredibly conditioned, even when I was 18 years old, that um, finding my authentic way has taken so much courage. And I honestly, I feel like it's been some of the darkest places because I've been grappling with things that I think I want, but I either don't deserve or can't have. And and, you know, or, or justifying why I can't have them. I think that's one of the, the trickier things of pulling the fog off of authenticity is like, what are the limiting belief systems that actually make it hard to even touch what's most true? Yeah, and if, if, it, I think part of this is in this, so this gets into the, the spiritual where I, I, there's these things with the spiritual world that I find, um, limiting that I find like aren't aligned with truth, I guess, essentially, um, not for everybody, but there, there's, there's these patterns there. So one, which kind of is seated from religion is like this whole, like, um, this is, this part of me is good. This part of me is bad, exactly. you know, and this whole separation, this whole division of, I have to get rid of all the bad parts, you know, somehow make them all disappear and make them go away. Uh, and just have the good parts. And this is kind of, you know, this is what life is about, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, coming from the space of non-duality, non-dual consciousness, um, recognizing everything is one, everything is divine, then all this, this half of the, this half of the, this side that you, that we think is bad, or we think is wrong, or we think is is like, no, these things are also divine. They're also beautiful. They're also um, of the same essence. Mm -hmm. So then the journey actually to me becomes about ultimately about integration. Yes. Right. Of finding the gifts in these things that we think are dark or bad or wrong. And if I, and I, I saw that in your writing, that that's, that's mm -hmm. something that, you know, the wisdom you've, you uncovered and you're sharing with people as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I love what you're saying because I do think it's the gateway, you know, looking at the places that we have judgment towards. It's like earlier in, the, in, in our conversation, you talked about self-love and I feel like part of coming to our most authentic wild self is seeing where we're in rejection of these parts of me, which is what you were just naming this. Where are we in this duality of like, that's not right or that's wrong? Because I think even if, you know, like to my point earlier, sometimes if we're so identified with right or wrong, it's hard to actually know if maybe part of us like people, you know, I have a lot of conversations about people who practice kink or BDSM and like the sexual realm. And it's like, it's so in a spiritual world that is seen deemed as, you know, people that are, haven't, haven't dealt with some of their wounds or, I mean, it has all sorts of judgment towards it. Um, but yet, it depends on how it's being approached. Like you said, it's integration. It's like, well, why are we doing what we're doing? And what is it teaching us about the fullness of our humanity, the darkness and the light? Yeah, yeah I didn't think we'd get into kink and BDSM so soon, but- um. <laughs> I didn't either. Just, you said just to follow the energy, so. <laughs> Since you brought it up. Um, no, there, it's true. Like, like 
you know, BDSM and kink and these, you know, these, these areas of kind of export, exploring what could be called the shadow or, exactly. you know, exploring domination and submission. And I mean, it's such a rich area to, mm -hmm. to um, uncover these parts yourself. Obviously, if it's someone that you're, it's consensual and you're, you're in it together and you're in agreements, um, mm -hmm. there's something really, really powerful there that feels like it's like the cutting edge that's, like you said, is still kind of this thing that's, um, it, it can be used um, for integration. It can be used for healing. It can be used for um, accessing um, latent energies inside yourself. It can be used to just, I, I, I read something you wrote about how you can kind of explore different archetypes, right? Yes. In yourself. Yeah, talk about that, that component. All, anything you want to share, but that particular is really interesting. Yeah. Well, God, there's so many things that I want to say in response to that question. Uh, I, I was exploring this body of work. It's in the Bay Area um, with these two, this, this couple, and it's called Light Dark Institute. And the whole premise of it was really, I mean, it wasn't sexual in, in the way of like, we're going and we're learning about kink and BDSM. What it was, was having us go, like as a group of people, we studied these archetypes is what they called them. Instead of an archetype, it was an archetype. So mm -hmm. we studied these parts, like the, the one of us that's needy, they call it the needy wretch, or, we, or mm -hmm. the one that's greedy, the one that's entitled, and the one that's sort of arrogant and just you know, looks down at everyone. And there was something so liberating about being in a room where we all acknowledge that every single part, that we had every single part in us. And then we played them out in scenes. And so some of them kind of got kinky. They taught us about how to flog and, you know, there was playfulness, but the whole point behind it was like, where is, where's the place where you push this so far away that you can't even accept that it's part of who you are. And then what happens when you're in a safe environment and you can actually acknowledge like, oh yeah, I do that. Or I have those thoughts or, because I think for me, I grew up. I grew up really early and I had to be reliant. So I had to be responsible for myself by the age of seven, like cooking my meals and everything. And so I learned to be really self-reliant. So to have needs is terrifying for me. You know, I mean, I've evolved a lot over time, but in that practice, I tried on taking on the needy wretch archetype for like an entire day. And what that did in terms of my own self-acceptance, because people were playing with me, they were laughing, they weren't judging me. And it was like giving it room to actually be less repressed and more of a playful aspect. It was very healing and integrative. Love it, love it, absolutely. Yeah, it's like recognizing, and this again, this is like, I think, so basically what I feel like to get to like where I feel this goes and then we'll kind of explore it. But mm -hmm. I feel like if you get to the truth of non-duality, like get to the core of it, it essentially is rewilding and rewilding <laughs> essentially is the core of non-duality, but there's all these, you know, but, but, but there's, but there's all these ways you can get diverted and, and, and hooked and um, lost in the mind and, and caught in different things. Um, so, so, so yes, non-dual realization is everything I see in, in someone else is a reflection of myself, you know? And so what you're talking about, I feel like it makes me so much more compassionate. Yes. Um, 
you know, instead of creating this division of this is the enemy, this is, you know, and there's so much of that happening right now of like, you know, every, like projecting everything on these, these public figures, whether it's, um, you know, whoever it is, these different public figures and, and everything is, they're the source of all the evil in the world, you know, and if they, we just got rid of them, everything would be fine. And, you know, <laughs> it's not a very mature way of looking at things. I and mean, you can kind of go deeper and you're like, yeah, like all these aspects of these things, whatever, you know, those of us have looked into ourselves, you know, it's always like, whatever is that thing that triggers me the most, that's mm-hmm. the part I haven't integrated in myself. Totally. Right. So that's the part you can kind of play with and explore. And, um, and then you can have more compassion for someone else who's, who's caught in it. Um, and I think the difference is, as you go into this journey within yourself, you can play in the energy without being attached, identified with it. Right. That's the difference. So well said. Yeah. That's the difference. It's really a dance. I mean, I think this is such a journey of how we are able to actually create more love in the world is being able to do this work ourselves because just naturally it pours outward towards other people that are, you know, we see, we see in them, oh, they're in the, they're the needy wretch right now. Oh, they just actually, or whatever it is. It's like, there's so much natural compassion that I think just arises. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, a, um, as you can access these different uh, archetypes, you kind of like cultivate like a toolbox. Yeah. Right. Well, you can different tool. Like I may need to be, may need to be more dominant right now. I may need to be more submissive right now. Right. And you can access that toolbox, uh, that tool when it's required and you're just kind of broadening, you're integrating this fullness of who you are that you can access these different parts of yourself. And really it's, again, it's like, to me, it's like ultimately what you're, what you're tapping into is a deeper level of, um, empowerment, freedom, self-love. Yeah. You know, harmony inside. That's right. It's ironic because, you know, when I think about all the, all the hours and days and weeks that I have spent on a meditation cushion, sometimes, you know, like month long retreats and the whole premise of it is really to just drop into whatever's arising in the moment. It is a full surrender. Yeah. And then when I think of like, times where I have played with kink or BDSM, whether I'm the top or the bottom, there is such the same energy of like, how much can I drop any agenda and just be in the, this is very wild from my perspective. It's like be in the wandering in the wilderness with another person, like following what is natural without all of the mental trying to get somewhere and do something and have a certain kind of role play or it's not about at least for me it's not about that that's beautiful and and i think that's great you know a lot of people really dig it yeah what i have found so compelling is that they feel almost the same like not almost they feel it's the same energy it's falling into the emptiness and letting movement and whatever emerge learning to surrender fully to the moment that's it that's the practice, yeah, right? It is. That's the it practice. Is. This uh, someone told me this. I hadn't heard this before. It's a it's a Zen story. I don't I don't remember all the details of it, but I love the story. I think you'll really appreciate it if you haven't heard it before. So there's the Zen master, and then there's the you know this other uh, person, and uh, this guy comes up to the Zen master, and he's like, "You wouldn't believe the powers I've I've 
I've uh, accomplished through meditation. I can make, you know, make stars do this and all these things disappear and make things, all these different powers you can do, you know. And the Zen master listens to me, he's quiet. And he's like, that's good. He says, I've, just, I've learned to do something even better. And the guy's like, well, what's that? And he said, I've learned to sleep when I'm tired and eat when I'm hungry. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, all these things. that's so great. <laughs> right? Bring it right back to the simple basics. It's like rewilding. It's right there. Yes. <laughs> I have not heard that, but it's so perfect. I know. I love that. It's like, that's yeah. so perfect. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of what I think that's where they meet. And I think that's, that brings us into, you know, the, the sexual energy and, and sexual desire and mm-hmm. how, religion and spirituality have been, you know, pretty woefully inadequate in like even talking about it or acknowledging it. And, um, that's, that's one big area where I feel like, you know, rewilding is, is that move, this movement is, is really valuable and important is to, you know, and we have Tantra, but I think, you know, I talked about this a little bit before, like Tantra kind of is just, Oh, you know, be soft and, you know, be spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) So it doesn't acknowledge this kind of more primal, primal. aspect. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that feels like a big part of, and, and definitely for me too, that's been a big part of the integration mm-hmm. is like, oh, this is, a, this is a part of me. This is a part of life. This is a part of, you know, even walking through the forest, I can feel these energies, you know, the polarity of masculine and feminine, the play of creation and, yeah. and being able to integrate that and, 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 and access that and be able to channel that in different ways. And you're really accessing this deeper, almost like a root level of who you are. Yes, it's so true. Yeah. And I think that's the playfulness of, of being a wild creature. And I think you named it. It's the thing that stops us is all of the conditioning that has caused so much shame. So a couple of three, it's been three or four years now. I don't even remember. I did this. I became certified in sexual. It's a somatic based sexuality and uh, relationship coaching program in the Bay area called Somatica. And I was so nervous going to this thing. There were a hundred people in it. I was like, what are we going to be doing? And I, what was so profound is that we all we all like the first, I think it was the first weekend we had to talk about our biggest shame around our sexuality. And it was incredible to see how the themes between like men had very consistent themes around, you know, afraid that they, you know, I could go in, that's not the point of our show. What's the, what's, what's the biggest one for men? I'm curious. Well, there was a couple, I think, you know, the Me Too movement has had, that yes, was a current topic. That's what I thought. It was like, what do I yeah. do with all this energy? And, you know, yeah. what do I, but I think also there are some men, I, I noticed a category um, and I see this with clients where they've been trained, culturally conditioned to be really nurturing and take care of and sort of worship their partner. But at the same sense, they're also abdicating their own needs in a certain, I mean, obviously that is their need to, to worship and adore, but there's a way that they end up feeling like they've given all their power away and they don't really feel like they can um, have their own voice in the sexual realm. Um, but there's, there's been, you know, there was also just 
mainly the me too things of like, am I too much? Like, I don't know what's okay. And I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for my desire, or I'm afraid to feel my desire. Cause I was taught that it's, you know, dirty and it's, you know, and I'm afraid to talk about the fact that I watch porn. Like that was a lot of the struggle for men. And then for women, it was like slut shaming or feeling like a prude. And, you know, what's the right balance of full, like sensual feminine expression without it being sort of exiled? And where is it actually getting so, um, like there's been such a certain level of suppression that the energy really does become kind of like a hungry ghost wanting to feed on, you know, and, you know, overly indulge, I guess, in a sense that feels like it's just had, was disruptive to a lot of people's lives. So there's, it's, it seems to me like in the conversation we're having about integration, that that's why this doorway is so powerful because it's doorway meaning sexuality, because there are so many shadows and so much shame. And mm -hmm. until we can turn towards that together and look at what does our shame body tell us? What story do we carry? Like, I, I don't know another way through to the integration. Yeah, you, and you kind of inquiring into the moment, like, what is the reason for all this? What has built up all this shame and all this, you know, what is it? And like, my sense is like, the energy is so strong uh, that it's probably been like kind of unconscious it's kind of emerged in an unconscious way for people. Like, in other words, they were, they didn't have presence with it. And so then people get hurt and then there's trauma and then, and then they make sexuality bad or sexuality is not bad. It was just, it was an unconscious use of the energy. Um, and I think instead of trying to repress or suppress it, which doesn't work, the, the intention would be to become conscious and present yeah. with the energy. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, you're just, it's like you're trying to stop something that, um, it's almost like trying to stop your eyes from blinking or trying to stop right, your, something your that's so autonomic being, nervous you know? system. It's part of the universe, you know? <laughs> yeah, completely. Um, yeah. yeah. And, but, but being able to be present with it and conscious with it. And then, um, and then that, yeah, that playfulness, right? Mm -hmm. that's the other thing about the spiritual they're too serious i know there's such know, a serious sense of humor i mean some teachers in some communities some. do but also i i've seen it where it's really tight-lipped and yeah. yeah and that's part of, for me that's part of erotic energy it's a it's a quality of playfulness adventure mm. aliveness mm. curiosity mm. Um, and so to not have that as part feels like it's you know truncating an aspect of who we are Mm -hmm. But to your point, I think it's been centuries upon centuries of, of conditioning. And I think, you know, we went through a period where women were basically uh, possessions. And so it was like they, were ha they had to have sex, especially in areas where men had many wives um, to create communities. That, like they had to have sex when the partner or the man wanted them to. And so I think women are often uh, still unwinding, like, can I have sex for my own pleasure? And what do, how, is it okay that I ask for what I want? And, and th that's, I think the very nature of this authentic discovery that we're talking about and how to make environments where it's playful enough, where that can be found within us. Mm -hmm. Playful enough what, and safe enough. Yeah, go ahead. What? No, I, I, I'm getting excited because 
I remember us talking about uh, the corporate world. Yeah. And like, <laughs> how because it's the corporate world is like, you know, it's kind of like the new church where it's like really right. sex is absolutely anything <laughs> of talk about sex, any, any kind of action, absolutely off limits, 100%. And mm-hmm. yet it's there. You know, it's right it's there. there. It's and so like it's that's not going to work ultimately. Mm-mm. So you were you know you were talking about exploring some idea. You know, can I can I like a workshop or mm-hmm. you know bringing some ideas to the corporate world? Um, yeah, I think that's a really that's a really interesting. Uh, anything you want to say about that? Any anything that comes? Yeah, I'd love to. Business in the corporate world and erotica, <laughs> erotic energy. <laughs> I know it's quite a combination. Like you said, that's, it's kind of like the alternative to church. Um, I do think that there's, it's so edgy right now, but I do think that there's an incredible opportunity. And that's why I wanted to re really redefine what eroticism is, because I think it's so, it's been categorized so narrowly into porn and, you know, basically right. sex, but right my vision, and I don't know if this is going to, I'm going to be able to pull this off. And I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime. I do know a woman, Anita Teresa, um, I can send you her website. She has been working on this with some other people, but the vision would be, at least from my perspective, is to bring in the conversations about erotic energy from the perspective of life force, like, and help people understand. Did you want to say something? No, I thought that that is so true. I'll just say that like, it's about life force. It that's is. exactly that's exactly what I see too. Like, and you can you can feel somebody that's connected to their um, their life force. Absolutely. There's an aliveness. There's a, you know there's there's a connection. There's a flow state that they're in, yeah. and then you can feel um, when somebody is really cut off from their their life force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? the, the play isn't there. Like the working on projects together is grueling because it's not playful, fun, laughter. Um, like I've, 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 I'm on the edge of saying something politically incorrect, which means I probably ooh. should say it. Yes. Um, but sometimes I'll, I'll encounter somebody or maybe I know them a little bit or you know, just feel their energy, you know, and they're just, and it's just like that person, like they really need to get fucked, you know, like it would just <laughs> totally. open up everything, get everything <laughs> moving, you know, yes. they don't need like talking therapy or that's what they need the no. most, you know. <laughs> Right on. I mean, it's it's palpable, right? You can tell mm-hmm. when someone hasn't. Been yes, you can actually feel that realm. it. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't yeah. have to be literally. It, but it's there's a way of like you like you you were you were getting to it. So let you get back to it. But learning to like get that life force flowing and keep it yeah. moving. And there's practices you can do within yourself and different things you can do. But um, yeah, go ahead. Completely. Well, I agree with you. I think there's practices, and then I also think there's just the simplicity. Back to that, you know. The, the Zen story of just noticing how it's already happening. So for example, mm. if you're an athlete and you're in the flow with like you're a runner or whatever, and you start to get that runner's high, like, you know, in your body, what it feels like to be in the flow with something. I know when I'm writing, I can get so turned on. It's like all these ideas are popping or, you know, any, and being in nature, I think we all, it's happening to all of us every day in, in certain different unique ways. And if we could just link the neurons that this is our erotic energy and we can either channel that, like if we get really turned on sexually, great. If you have a place to play with that and express it, great. But if you don't, then how does that get channeled into something that 
is also equally creative or vice versa. If you're feeling like you can't access, you don't feel like you're, you don't can't access your passion and you feel sort of dead, then there is something around finding an area where you can be in some sense of flow and creativity, whatever that looks like, as small as it is. Mm. Cause that flame yeah, will yeah, okay. build again. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's a bunch of things are firing for me. So, mm. so if you can access the erotic energy in the workplace, in the corporate place, in the business world, and you can channel it into the work, into whatever the, the, the purpose of the company is or the organization, yeah. then there's this whole other level of creativity Absolutely. and kind of intuition that you access as a, as a collective yeah. that you don't access otherwise. And, you know, you're talking about writing and I so relate to that when I was, um, I've written a couple of books and even other chances too, like, but when I get, I can get in this zone where, and I know you'll resonate with this. So I'm writing, but I'm not just writing with my head. Yes. Like I'm writing with my whole body. Yes. My whole body is going and my whole body is like informing mm. every word, you know, and there's a quality that you can feel in the, it's like, there's like an energy, there's a life force <laughs> to the language. I feel like, um, I'm kind of, Rumi's coming to mind. I feel like he, he kind of, when he writes, it's like uh, the whole body is like completely. engaging, you know, yes. it's not just a head thing. No. Um, so there's like almost like a frequency that moves through the words, even though they're on a page. And then another thing that comes to my mind is I remember um, I would get together with this group of friends and, but it was sort of like a meeting where we were kind of talking about some ideas of projects and stuff. And we had this idea of um, we just, not even idea. We just sort of noticed that if we were all connecting with touch Mm -hmm. sort of like a kind of almost like almost like a kind of like a relaxed cuddly kind of a space that there was this whole other energy of like connection and ideas and um just love and creativity that would spring forth yeah you know then if we're just all buttoned up and you know whatever the 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 corporate thing you're supposed to do is, you know, the, the table. I, I have that in the movie, they have that long table. Exactly. The boardroom. <laughs> yeah. The boardroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The boardroom where you're sitting six feet apart, but it's not uh-huh. COVID. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that example of what you just said around that. Just the somatic that yeah. touch actually it's that again is also associated. Like save that for my partner. I save that for my children. I save that for my but what if actually the intelligence of our skin and our touch and our contact in a non-sexual way could, could in a work environment actually accelerate the, the potentiated ideas and wisdom together without words? Yeah, 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 100%. Like if, if you look at um, mammals, um, when they sleep, they sleep together and they're, they're kind of like, you know, right? And we're mammals. We are. And, and, and that's the other thing to, to like, <laughs> I love that you just said that it's, it's, you know, but yeah, it's like, we're, we're spiritual beings, you know, we are, we are, you know, of the same essence that's beyond form and beyond thoughts and beyond, beyond the beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're mammals. And like, yeah. that's, that's, that's the thing that's, and so I was talking about before we started about what's happening with uh, lockdowns and COVID mm-hmm. restrictions and, um, the way people are really, and you, I think you were saying you noticed this too. Well, we noticed a couple of things. So we'll get into the second part later where there's some benefits, but 
a lot of people are really being um, just hurt by this, like emotionally and depression and yeah. alcoholism and drug abuse. And um, because we are naturally wired for physical connection and, 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 and to be with and to look people in the eyes and to talk to people and touch people. Um, and so if you cut that off for people for months, then they're being cut off from, you know, this essence of who they are and, and the effects um, start, you know, it's the effects show themselves. Absolutely. There's something, I mean, thank God for science, because I think it's so powerful that we have this whole name for it. The social engagement system is basically mm. this part of our, our body, like the nerves are in our face and in our chest, and it's looking for contact to feel our sense of existence, mm-hmm. our grounding, our belonging. And I think it's so, I think you're right with COVID right now. I mean, it goes in two directions. I, I know we're going to get to the other part later, but the part that's so destructive for people right now is they're not getting the reflection back that is wordless. It's like mm-hmm. we can share appreciation and we can do all these things, but there's something, at least for me, there's something that is irreplaceable about just living spontaneous life with some people, with people like going to a movie or going to, it's like the being together. There's something happening, even if we're not mm-hmm. speaking. Yeah. And so it's either right now it's like video or phone or, you know, if, if, for those of us that have a few people that we pot up with, it's that partners, whatever, mm-hmm. but it, it does feel like a really notable moment of like, how are we going to evolve through this and not lose ourselves? The other thing too, is you talk about, we talk about what's natural. I mean, viruses are natural. They're a part yeah. of the world. They're, they're in, you know, I've heard it said there's trillions of viruses inside us and they're all around us. And I think there's, there's some kind of, um, I don't know what you call it, like a reckoning or some kind of like, um, just it's, to me, it's another way of trying to avoid this is, this is the bad, get, try to get rid of it, make it go away. It's the same game. you like, this yeah. is the end. And all the, all the languages is like kind of warfare languaging, you know? Um, yeah. So I see it as, and I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Zach Bush. Yes. Um, he's good at communicating this. There's some other people yeah. too. I see it more as an integration mm. of like learning to integrate um, everything including things in the, in the, in the world around us, as opposed to trying to just get rid of things or fight things or, you know, crush things or, you know, the enemy. Um, Mm -hmm. I see it as an, as an integrative process. And it's just another thing, um, another thing to integrate. Um, So I guess my, my hope is that there'll be an awakening of that kind of greater understanding and also the way we've become, you know, disconnected from the natural world, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, you 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 were saying, and I, I noticed too that the, on the positive side, this has been a way for myself included. I'm I'm one of those people to become even more connected to nature and get out hiking more and spend more time in the forest, and um, but that's been a that's been a positive. Um, for a lot of people, but this, this perpetual, you know, if, if, if you're in, if, if, if you kind of take us back to the natural world, like there's this sense of like, 
okay, the lion's coming at us. There's the, the, the energy of fear arises and you, you address the situation and whatever you, you, you fight or flight or whatever. And then it's over, you know, mm-hmm. but we're not designed to have this kind of perpetual anxiety, you know, going on, they, especially when nothing's even actually happening, right. you know, and this is where, you know, we're getting, I feel like we're getting manipulated by the media and the, the, the people who fund the media and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of manipulating this, um, this uh, wiring that we have that isn't, that's being used in a different way than what it's designed for, which is more designed for, you know, in the moment, like kind of like the Zen master, I, I yeah. sleep when I'm tired, I eat that's when it. I'm hungry, you know, something, if something's, I'm afraid of something, I address it and then it's gone, you know, just mm-hmm. in, in the moment. So anyway, I said a lot there, but that was you want to pick up on. <laughs> yeah. I want to keep riffing on what you're saying. This piece right here is, um, this part around what we're getting from the media and how confusing it can be. And I think that's part of how I define the wild power is, or rewilding is slowing down enough to really check with our whole being of like what feels true and how do we, I know for myself in the beginning with with COVID, it was like, well, antibodies, like, you know, if we have the antibodies, are we going to are we going to be okay in the vaccines? And then there's all this like propaganda that the vaccines are going to be filtrated with, you know, whatever. I don't want to go into all the conspiracy there's theories. You know of them. There for sure. Yeah. 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 And so it's like what the whole thing of trying to find our authentic truth in the midst of getting, it's like, it's the same thing as the political system, getting two extremes thrown yeah. at us. And like, how do we start to discern and regulate our nervous systems with that amount of information and that amount of uncertainty? And I think for me, that's what's been so powerful about slowing down and sitting still and feeling into my fear around things. Because it's, it's through that that I feel like I have come to more peace of like, we really don't know a lot. And mm-hmm. I'm not even gonna try to know much right now. I'm just gonna keep moving step by step. So I agree, I, so, okay, this is an interesting question. Like, we don't know a lot, but do we need to know a lot? Well, right? like, one part like, of us does. But I think what's happening, Mine. this is kind of gets to the core of what I'm, what I'm like seeing is like, we're trying, and I say we kind of in the collective, mm-hmm. we're trying to do everything now through like the intellect, through the mind, through, through thinking, through, um, you know, controlling through thinking and thoughts. And I don't think that that's really the way. It's almost like the more extreme we go in that direction, the, mm-hmm. the more the feedback is going to be pushing us like you're going the wrong direction, yeah. you know? And it's going to, the answer is that kind of intuitive, instinctive intelligence that comes through being present, exactly. you know, and the, the moment itself, the intelligence of the moment itself guides us to what to do in the moment. And we don't need to know really anything else besides what the intelligence of the moment is. How do you access that? You access it through, you know, being quiet, being present. I don't mean quiet, like not talking or anything, but, yeah. you know, quiet mind and mm-hmm. open heart and being available yeah um and then and then it's like you're just responding to this intelligence of the moment that is um i call it the universal creative intelligence you know Uh so it's you could call it you could call it god or source or um nature um but it's just this thing that is it's in all that is and um the Tao, right yeah uh the force in star wars the force that's right <laughs> <laughs> that's what we want to connect to that that, that will guide you um you know what's true in the moment yeah i agree with you and it, what makes it 
what makes it such a interesting complex puzzle is that while it's as simple as that, it's also really helpful to have scientific information. It's also helpful on some level to have information to be able to sit with as well. Because if it was a, unless we were able to channel, I think that's what's so cool about the web of people is that some people are channeling and bringing information about the virus and the impact on our bodies and other people are bringing, you know, different kinds of pieces. And what's it like when we start to assimilate all of that and what kind of clarity do we get? Um, like it's not, we're in a vacuum being still, we're kind of in, engaging with that material all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Science is <clears throat> the scientific method is how would you define it? Like this, the observation you're observing yeah. what's happening in a controlled environment. Yeah. Right. So for me, I feel like that's mm -hmm. what I'm doing all the time. That's my intention all the time. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to just kind of observe the patterns and then, um, you know, base what I'm doing based on the patterns of what I'm observing. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think like, and, and then there's, I'm, I'm definitely, um, I think the challenge you're, we're kind of getting at it is there's science in its true sense, like true science. And then some friends of mine would call it scientism where yeah. it's like, <laughs> you're making, you're, you're making it, you're manipulating it for yes. your own advantage and you're kind of making it kind of a dogma or a thing, you know, yeah. it's just all this weird stuff that's, you know, it's like who fund, who funded that study and why did they fund it? And so that's all this it. stuff is going on. And it's like, well, how do I know it's true? You know, it's like, well, it. yeah, it's like, I, I just keep coming back to myself. I keep coming back to, um, I don't feel like the power is like outside of me, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So oh, yeah. anytime I'm, anytime I'm being told that I'm like, oh, okay, that's not true. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so then it's like <laughs> coming back to myself. Um, and when I say myself, I really just kind of mean like the moment. Um, but I agree with you. It doesn't mean like you're not thinking or you're not a, you're not a, you're not a person who reads or I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that, yeah. um, some you're, you're, you're taking all the information, but it's kind of like you're, there's this thing, there's this presence that, you know, you're, you're just listening to mm -hmm. in the moment. And I think the thing's interesting too, is that that answer could be different for different people. Exactly. And that's, and that's a big problem right now too, because it's like, there's this one handed, <laughs> like, or not, there's this thing like, this is the answer. One size fits all right. or like all people, you know, everybody needs to be locked down or everybody needs to take the vaccine or, you know, it's like, no, it's going to be different for different people. What, <sighs> what people need. And can we have an intelligence uh, uh, world where, people can listen to what's true for them and they're, and they're supported for in that. And they're like, you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like you said with like the, you know, in history where the woman has to have sex with the man, whether she wants to or not, mm -hmm. we're still doing that, you know, to people in, in different ways. Wow, so well And said. yeah, instead of like, le like, like, how about the woman can listen to what she feels inside herself, woman being yeah. all of us, yeah. <laughs> listen to what she feels inside herself and like, let's support her in like, you know, being true to that. Yeah. That's, that, that's so beautiful. The way you just said all that. I think that's it. It's like, how do we continue to support each other to find our sovereign selves? And so we have to, yes. going back to the rewilding, we have to understand how we domesticate ourselves and how we domesticate each other. We have to know when we're guilt tripping each other, when we're blaming, when we're shaming, when we're 
offloading our own vulnerability and making someone wrong, putting it outside of us. It's like that I think is how we change and we course correct to what you're talking about to this place where we create an environment where there is such sovereignty and there's such inner trust that we, we actually can let people have their differences and know that that's all, that's all well and everybody can do it in the way that serves them. But that's a different yeah. level of consciousness. Yeah. A collective level of consciousness. And the, and the domestication, where does the domestication come from? It feels like at the core, I mean, there's a lot of different levels of it, but at the core, it's our own minds. It yeah. It feels like. Yeah, it feels to me like, I call it the matrix of social and cultural conditioning, which is only a component of the mind, but it's like this essence of separation, this essence of duality, like you've been talking about right or wrong. I think mm. domestication comes from these compartmentalized prescriptive ways that, that we are told we should be mm. and we should feel and we should think. And, and so to start to uncover that is I think how we truly feel our wild self again. Yeah. That's, that's the big one, right? Should and should not. Yes. You to should me, do this. Yeah. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. And it's so subtle. Like how often we, I notice how often that comes up. I mean, I, I practice this every day, so I I'm uber sensitive, but the shoulds come up in the most, unexpected ways so seeing that and tracking that is key do you have an example that comes to mind yeah i mean i think that there is this part of me that um covid i'm an introvert like i really love connection and i love to go deep but i really like a lot of time solo whether that's on the land or by myself and i have i often will have this thing of i should be more social I should want to do more. I should da, 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 whatever it is, you name it, it's in that genre. Instead of my body is actually doesn't want to talk. And if I can be with someone where we're not talking and we're either like giving each other yeah. massages or we're then, then I'm okay. But it's this, I have a lot of shame still that I'm unraveling around. I don't tend to want to connect in the ways that I have taught myself to. I love to talk, but there's so many other ways that I love to be in connection. And I haven't quite figured out how to give myself full permission to rest mm -hmm. in that. So I start attracting people that want that too. I kind of, you know, that's where I work on, that's where the should comes up as well. I should be okay. This should be satisfying to be in this, at this dinner table. And because I love these people, but I'm not interested in anything that's being spoken about. So what's wrong with me or what's wrong with them? You know, it's that whole black and white thing that starts to happen. I feel like you really, you really love like authentic conversation. You really love like, you know, going in deep. And if it's just this kind of superficial cocktail party type of thing, like, yeah, I, I, I relate to that. It's like, oh, this is not, <laughs> this is not where I want to be. Well, and if there's a bunch of posturing of like wanting to prove oneself and, you yeah, know, just, what do you do for a living? It's yeah. Like, oh, boring. I know. <laughs> but I also feel like I love just the depth. I mean, the, the laughter, you know, just something oh, yeah. where, you know, Love that's laughter. just as nourishing. It's just playing and laughing. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's, it, it does, it is that present moment thing again, because maybe we could talk about what we're doing for a living and it could be really nourishing if it's coming from a place of just mere curiosity and not trying to prove or right. That just has a different energy to it. That starts to feel like I'm it's, you know, I'm just sitting being entertained by someone, you know, that doesn't feel very entertaining. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are some other areas where you really see like socially, um, I know you, you, you were, when we were talking before, you were going through five different areas, I believe it was five. Oh. 
Oh, you but mean what are, power? But what are some different, yeah, power reclamation. Yeah, the power yeah. reclamation map. But, but what are some different areas that like you, you, you know, that we haven't touched on yet that you feel are like, you know, really kind of important that you see, you know, to shift and to um, reconnect to? Yeah, and, and specifically in the rewilding or in the power reclamation system that I'm working with. I feel like they're kind of, they're connected in some way, right? Yeah, well, I'll, just a quick thing. The power reclamation has six powers. So it's okay. centering power, relational mm -hmm. power, self-acceptance mm -hmm. power, wild mm -hmm. power, intuitive power, and erotic power. And, and so just so we're clear, this is, something, this is something that you created, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And still kind of it's coming into form. Yeah. But all of it is about, all of it is a gateway. Each of those powers is a gateway into integrating more of our essence of our being of our wholeness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so wild power is what we're really talking a lot about today. And I think mm -hmm. your question basically is what else hasn't been exposed around that? Like what else haven't we, have we named? Also yeah. relational power is really interesting. It's a huge one. Do you have yeah. a preference of which one we bounce to? Well, I just think that, I think that relational power, there's so many should and shouldn'ts. Oh, so many. <laughs> and so much domestication. That's where there's such a cross line. Yeah. Yeah. And then so much like, you know, trying to be the model of what you think you're supposed to be in, in the relationship and then kind of looking at other people and trying to be like them or they're trying to, it's yeah. just all this, all this stuff that's, um, you know, create suffering, essentially. So much. Yeah, I know. And I think in the relational, I really hold it as like our ability to be vulnerable and create emotional intimacy. And like right. that means knowing what our attachment, you know, what's our attachment style and coming, like we talked about in the very beginning together, this whole notion of self-acceptance. And I was talking about those different archetypes and learning how to integrate, but it's the same thing with attachment style. Cause there's a lot of shadow there where we act out of these places and we don't know why. You know, the anxious, all the pleas and all the things that come from whether it's the anxious attachment or the avoidant attachment or the disorganized, which is a bit of both. Um, so the, it's such a rich terrain of how can we so lovingly start to reveal the way that we operate, like lovingly within ourselves and with our partners and friends so that that doesn't become an obstacle anymore. It's kind of like, yeah, this is what I do when I get scared and I'm scared right now. You know, it's like, I'm going to want to control you and tell you not to leave and or whatever it is. It, it's so, it's so back to that Zen teaching, you know, just sleep, get some good rest. And it's, it's the basics of like, how do we embrace? And it's, it's so easy to say and such a journey to do because it means we have to feel the vulnerability or the shame or whatever is covering over that expression of self. So this is kind of like what you, what, what you I feel like you're getting into is kind of like, so there's this term spiritual bypassing. Yes um which is sort of like instead of actually coming face to face with what i'm feeling um i'll use some sort of ideology or some sort of you know spiritual concept to avoid connecting to the feeling That's um right. and i feel like what you're really advocating is connecting to the feeling yeah <laughs> being present <laughs> with the feeling and accepting yeah. what you're feeling yeah. and why are you advocating that because I think honestly, that's where if we can come to accept these parts of ourselves, we can come into like a place of full self-love. And when we're in a place of self-love, it just seems that 
we understand these things in us come and go and we don't have to chase them or try to fix them or, or try to hide them or, or do anything to orient away from just the fact that these things come and go and we all have these core wounds and we all have specific patterns that we draw on when we get stressed. And so I think the advocating is because I want to, I want to create a world where we're no longer ashamed of our shame that we're actually talking about it together and we're creating safe containers and groups of people and relationship models where that's actually the focal point is like, oh, you're scared right now. Like somebody's yelling at you and it's like, oh, you're actually really scared right now. Let's, let's like pause or let's go to what's underneath it. Mm. Um. Uh, and also it feels like the feelings um, can guide us sometimes, right? Like they're indicators Completely. of which, yeah, which direction to go or what's, you know, yeah. it feels like they're, they're, that's a form of, it's a form of intelligence. I agree. I'm so glad you brought that part in. That's Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm remembering when I talked to you last time, I was really, I was really um, impressed, I guess, or I appreciated. Um, I was talking with you and we would, we would be talking and you would say like, how do you feel in your body you saying right. that right now? Or how do you feel? How does that, how does that feel in your body? And then you would talk about how you feel in your body at certain times too, mm-hmm. um, which is really valuable because that is part of our intelligence, right? Uh-huh. Like that, this goes back to the point I was trying to make earlier about how we're trying to address, I feel like in our society right now, we're trying to address um, everything with the mind. With, it's like, it's like, we're just here, head, everything's head, you know? And there's yeah. nothing down here that's like connecting to what's happening. And there's so much intelligence, you know, the heart has intelligence, the mm-hmm. gut has intelligence, you know, the, the, the sexual, um, our sexual energy, there's intelligence there. There's, there's, there's all this intelligence in all these parts of ourselves. And yeah. I like that you would, you would, you do that. And, you know, and it's like, yeah. so they can feel into these parts. And, and um, so I'd love to hear like a little bit more of like, why that's important for you and what you've noticed in yourself or people that you've worked with of connecting yeah. to their body and mm-hmm. the value in that. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that. Um, I talk a lot about this in the intuitive power of those six mm-hmm. powers, because I talk about this whole being wisdom and how mm-hmm. we accessing all these different aspects. And the reason that I think like my journey to answer your question, my journey, I came to becoming more connected with my body because I was completely disconnected from it. I had a lot of early trauma. I didn't even know that I was in most of my young adulthood was basically in PTSD. And it was actually in my first coaching certification, like decades ago now, my teachers, I was, I was coaching someone in a fishbowl and he was really angry and aggressive about something was happening in his life. And I got feedback at the end of, you need to get more in your body. Cause I was staying way in the intellect with him and and they, they basically said, you, I can't remember the exact feedback, but the essence of it was like, you need to explore being in your body more. And it, it was funny because I had been a triathlete, you know, I thought I was in my body, but I was not. And so my journey has, it took me actually on a, a journey of, I mean, I've become a trauma therapist. I've done all sorts of things to explore more of the body, you know, professionally and personally, but the reason that it, I have found it so powerful is because it brings so much more information. And when I'm more in my body and when I'm tracking and I'm noticing, 
it's, or when I'm with clients, cause I do that all the time with clients. I used to think that I needed to show up with like a special tool or skill set to, to help people experience what they were looking for within themselves, whether it was to heal, you know, states of suffering or whatever it was. And what I learned over time is that the most important thing I could do is hold space and go on a journey with them through their body. Like, obviously there's talk, but when I intuitively feel something, I will ask them to slow down. What are you noticing in your body? And we'll explore it, which is part of my background, something called Hakomi, which is a body centered psychotherapy. And I shit you not, like over time, I have been so blown away that people's wisdom blows me away. Like I have no idea where we're going to go half the time when I'm sitting with someone, but I just trust the wisdom so much of them accessing their feelings and their body sensations and staying with and helping them access it more deeply. Like that's part of my role that what I have seen over time is that people move through stuff so much quicker, like moves through stuff, meaning they release the energy. It comes back. It grounds in them as their power rather than this like bottleneck of different and different behaviors associated with, with that energy that's been stuck. So the body and sensations are a powerful gateway. I know I just said a whole bunch. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love that you're, that you're, that's that you're doing that work and bringing people aware of it Mm -hmm. and the intelligence that arises from it and also becoming aware of the blocks that are there to the intelligence and to the life force. That's it. Right back to that. Mm -hmm. Do you look at, do you look at um, food uh, at all as far as like rewilding in in that realm? Um, Food, did you say? Yeah. Do you know, um, have you heard of Daniel Vitalis? That name? The name rings a bell, but I don't, can't actually. He's, he's in the rewilding movement. In his case, he's focusing a lot on like, he's focusing on a lot of things, a lot of things, but he does put it like, he looks at food and kind of getting back to kind of like a, you know, a natural diet and this uh-huh. kind of thing. But I just wonder if that's like a factor that in your own life or in like, you know, in general that you, you look at it all. Yeah, I do. I, it's not been a conscious thing. It's been more of mm-hmm. like healing just kind of issues and yeah, yeah like yeah. all of a sudden there's disharmony in my body yeah. and I'm having to figure things out like yeah. oh I got to get gluten out and now I got to get this thing yeah. out and so my yeah. my diet has come back to the basics um mm-hmm. although I don't I don't coach on that or focus on that much mm-hmm. and, and I think it's such a powerful doorway yeah 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 I love the kind of like the holistic integral like all everything relates to everything you know and like getting all the parts of yourself and connecting all the yeah I know. And then which one were, because there's no right way, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, which one are we drawn to when I'm talking with people about the power reclamation system? Like I told you, there's six powers and it's like, where do they have the most struggle right now? Cause that's our doorway. And then it might mm-hmm. change tomorrow, but there's something about giving ourselves permission to, to go to where we're most, that's the wildness again. It's like, where is our passion and our hunger right now? It might be because we have gut issues and we have to figure things out and that puts us on the food journey. And then all of a sudden we're like, whoa, I'm kind of rewilding myself here. But it's, it's that tr- inner trust of like, where's the doorway that's knocking right now? And sometimes that's through suffering and sometimes that's just through pure passion and curiosity and joy. Mm-hmm. But it will take us there, wherever there, that is that we're wanting to mm-hmm. integrate. Mm-hmm. 
So what's, uh, what are you most excited about right now as far as like projects or things that you're mm. doing or engaged in? Um, wow, that's such a fun question because there's a lot <laughs> right now and a lot of decisions to be made. I had fun asking it. <laughs> I know, it's fun watching you. Uh -huh. um, well, I'm most excited about this thing. It's, it's when I first thought of doing it, I was like, this is a bit hokey, but I created a quiz. Um, what's your powerhouse type? And it's really, I'm intending for it to be kind of a deep journey where people could take this quiz and then discover which of the six powers they have the most strength right now. And then I, so I'm feeling passionate about creating a portal to do more work with people around this. And, um, that includes a podcast, which just got launched, and I'll be doing a lot more of that. Love to have you on the show. Love to be on. Okay, good. And then um, building some programs. Like, I just have a vision of, of having a year, like some, some master programs and a year-long immersion for people around the six powers and collaborating more with people to create retreats. And I just, it's like the the power of bringing people together and the collective intelligence i think catalyzes consciousness so in such a unique way that i get excited about where that's going to start unfolding even with covid's you know still in place like just how to leverage joining together in tribal ways mm -hmm. given the i know i i just had this little kind of meta hmm. moment where i noticed that both you and i we really trust excitement as like what to follow. Yes, totally. You know? And it's kind of a basic you, you, in a way you're kind of, oh, well, that's obvious. But actually for many people, it's not obvious. You I'm know? so glad. And, you the, and they don't have, they don't have a lot of excitement in their life yeah. and then they have trouble like accessing it. So I was just noticing that that's kind of like, yeah, like excitement is like for, you know, that's, that's where you go. You go, you go where the excitement is. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the more you do it, the more you can access it and the more you're able to follow it and listen to it. It's like anything else in life, but that's mm -hmm. something I was, I was noticing that is like, it feels like it's part of rewilding. It is. I love that you pulled that out. Cause I feel like right now it might be helpful for us to brainstorm. What, what would we tell someone that actually has lost contact? Cause I was talking about this with erotic energy earlier. Like what about people that have lost contact with passion or excitement because they're so mired down by, domestication and responsibility and they don't have time and space and like how how do people access it when it doesn't seem present and i wonder if anything comes up for you or i could i could share something but you, yeah how about you start and then i'll yeah i mean i think that i've been in those places in my life so i know mm -hmm. how painful that is first i mm -hmm. would just want to say that like this is a I think it's part of the evolutionary process. I think it's part of the birth, death and rebirth process. Like when, when things are dying, when we're in that phase where something in our lives is dying, it isn't as accessible at times to feel excited or passionate about things because there's all this deconstruction happening. And when that's happening, our nervous system is freaked out, even if we don't quite make the connection. So I guess I would wanna normalize that this happens and then probably get really curious of like, when was the last time they felt excited and what were they doing? And mm -hmm. because I, I've noticed just in those simple questions, people start to feel excited remembering something. Yeah. And so when that energy can get reactivated in the body, it's like, oh, now there's possibility for that frequency to start remembering or coming up with new ideas to play with. 
Yeah, I, I resonate with that. And what's come up for me too is that, um, and this has been kind of like a, I've been, I guess, surprised to the level that this exists, but the, a lot of people don't feel that they deserve to be excited, but oh, they deserve to be happy, right? There's like this self-worth thing of like, yeah. And so then addressing that, like this kind of, what, what is this, what is this idea you built around yourself that, you know, you're not worthy of feeling happy or you're not worthy of love or you're not worthy of excitement or you're not worthy of uh, feeling sexually ecstatic or you're not worthy of like all these different things, you know, that yeah. um, are available. They're, they're in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we can cut ourselves off from them because we feel like we don't deserve it or we're not worthy of it or it's not for us. So painful. Mm-hmm. And it does feel like part of the hero's journey is, is recognizing when the, when we're in one of those places where we don't feel worthy of the thing that we mm-hmm. want. Cause I think mm-hmm. that's where the transformation is. If we can find safety with other people to meet us there, cause that, mm-hmm. pl- that place needs to get met. There's a reason mm-hmm. that whoever, whichever one of us is feeling that in any given moment that we're feeling that way, like there's mm-hmm. some conditioning and it's probably shame related. And it's probably yeah. part of the whole thing we talked about earlier of the messaging, whether it's familial, cultural, that started Mm -hmm. as a child. And so sometimes we're talking about rewiring belief systems that happened before we were conceptually even realizing what we thought. But it is important. I'm glad you brought that up because that's a painful Mm -hmm. spot to want something and then think we don't deserve it. Yeah, and to think of shame, I think shame is, obviously it tends to be from things we've done in the past. Mm -hmm. And... Um, or things that have been done to us in the past. And then I think it's really valuable to, to look at, and this kind of goes into my study of NDC a little bit, mm-hmm. um, like kind of what was the motivation <laughs> for you made, that's, that's a decision you made at that time. Yeah. And like, that was the best thing you could think of at that time. And what was your, what was your need you were trying to meet with that's that strategy? Right. Exactly. And being able to like kind of look at for yourself and then for other people who've maybe done things to you, right? And there's some kind of trauma around that. Um, what was their what were they trying to what were they trying to what was their motivation? What was their need that they were trying to meet? And mm-hmm. um because I, I really look at life as like a almost like a school, like we're learning, we're yeah. growing, we're <laughs> moving through these different lessons. Curriculum. You know, so that, but that actually really helps me to not feel shame because the sense of like, okay, that's that I needed to have that experience to learn what I need to learn to get to where I am, to get to where I am now. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't view it as like, I'm supposed to be perfect from the time I was born to the time I, you know I mean? It's like, I I don't think that's what we're here for. We're actually, the amazing thing is to me is we're actually here to make mistakes. Like that's a good thing. You know, like if, if, if we're making mistakes and learning from them, I guess that that's an important thing to say, if not repeating the things over and over, but making new mistakes. Right. And that's where the sense of like, um, what was the word you use? Like play, like adventure, like exploring, like trying new things, you know, mm-hmm. and um, like that, that allows you to be more playful and to be more exploratory and adventurous of like, it's okay to make a mistake. It's like, if I make a mistake, that's how I learn. That's how I grow in wisdom. Yeah. And then if from that kind of perspective, 
that really helps with the shame thing. Completely. I, I love, I like that you're naming that part because I think that part of this whole integration process is, is really knowing that there's different phases and we might go in and out of them on a day-to-day basis. Like there's one phase where it's like life happens to me. I'm a victim, even very conscious spiritual people. There's still wounded parts of us that will go into that phase. And so it's really hard to see that our mistakes are okay there, which is why the compassion and support is so important. And then there's this phase you're talking about, which is I'm an empowered being here on a journey to master this curriculum that I have, whatever it is, and it's emergent. And I'm not quite sure, but I'm kind of tracking it through these themes that I keep mm-hmm. to seem to keep repeating. Right. And there's liberation in that. And like, how do we make room for when we go into phase one where we feel completely victimized and we can't access that? And then how do we celebrate and like bring other people into the other world where there's no wrong? We're never doing anything wrong. Yeah. So let's go over these six the six reclamation reclamations yeah, of power yeah. power reclamation yeah there's six power gateways to integrate gateways. Our power yeah so the first one the first one is centering power and that's you know centering. our ability to manage to to notice our our states of reactivity to manage them to be bring bring ourselves into a calm and grounded presence when there's chaos and complexity uh-huh. It's like Yoda. And, I think of Yoda when I think of <laughs> And the spirit, someone who's in a spiritual realm would, would, this would be like mindfulness, meditation, yeah. this sort of realm. Exactly. Those are the tools that help us really ground the energy of being a centered being. You know, it's kind of like the balance of yin and yang. It's like, how do we bring those energies to where we're just kind of at that zero point where emergent things can happen? Yes. And then the second one is relational power. And that one, I'm, I'm holding that as like creating very conscious, loving relationships, authentic, vulnerable relationships to ourselves, each other, and all of life. So it feels like the whole life as a sacred relationship and how is it constantly mirroring and teaching us. And there's a lot that goes into that power realm. Yeah, that's a, that's a, Huge. <laughs> that's a big Massive. one. Yeah, because <laughs> it's got attachment theory and vulnerability and emotional intimacy and intelligence and all that. Lots of um, lessons to learn through our relationships, for sure. Tons. I know. Such good mirrors. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is self-acceptance power. I-, I was originally calling it shadow power, but I changed it because embracing our shadows is how we come into self-acceptance. But I'm holding this as like the journey of our own, exploring our own personal conditioning and also exploring our trauma. And I think being on the planet in and of itself, there's trauma just being here, being indoctrinated in so many ways. So that it's a... It's a journey of like, first we self, we accept these parts. And then over time, as we have this compassion grow, we come into this place of just an effortless love that we can feel in our own being. So that's the third one. The fourth one is wild power, which we've been playing with. And that's basically like accessing this passionate roar within us that has, you know, a desire to bump the status quo because we're willing, we have a bigger vision. We don't want to be caged. We don't want to be oppressed. And so we have a voice um, for ourselves and others and, you know, bringing, bringing everything we talked about earlier. I feel like that's a book title, Wild Power. It is. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. I like so it many books. I want to create a book on each power. <laughs> add that so much. One. Add yeah, that I got that one. <laughs> um, and then the next one's intuitive power. And I'm holding that. You, you already spoke to this beautifully earlier. It's, it's 
the power of our whole being wisdom. So yeah. really bringing in the intelligences of our mm-hmm. sensations, all of that that you had said earlier. And I hold intuitive powers, two other really key components. One is apprenticing to the unknown. I'm like, what is our relationship? How do we keep apprenticing to when we don't know something, how do we get quiet? Not quiet as in quiet, like, you know, no speaking, but like mm-hmm. the stillness of our mind so that we can access these other channels to guide us. And then the other part is really about flow. And it's, it's, this feels to me like feminine power, not feminine yeah. woman. Yeah. But yeah. Feminine we haven't touched power. on that so much yet, but yes. Yeah. We yeah. could have a whole other show on that. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. <laughs> right. And then the last one is erotic power. And we've already talked about like the defining that as our life force, as our creativity and our capacity to direct this life force in ways that create innovation, play, adventure, all of that. So those are the yeah. six gateways. Love it. Love it. I, what One thing that comes up for me, I don't think we've really spoken to this yet, but what I also really like about what you're sharing is like in so much of the spiritual tradition and religious tradition, there's this idea that the world is bad. The world is the cause of sin. The world is the cause of suffering. You have to try to like get rid of anything that's um, worldly or anything that is like, uh, or, or the senses or they, they bring you to yeah. some kind of sinful state or something. Right. You shouldn't have desire. You shouldn't have desire. Um, and so I feel like what you're doing, which is also my intention is it's sort of like the next level, which is like, again, integrating all of that, like embracing, embracing the world fully, embracing the world as divine, embracing the world as, as one of the same essence uh, uh, of creation. And yeah, it feels yeah. like that's a lot of what you're bringing. And instead of trying to uh, be afraid of the world of senses and the world of form or trying to get trying to escape it just fully embracing as part of, of the essence of who you really are that's it yes and I think it takes a lot of courage to do this and it takes a lot of dedication you know to to parse out what the practices are like when you were just saying that I had this I had this thing arise of oh yeah and then there's this whole journey that most of us are on of like what's the distinction between indulging a craving, which is more of like managing anxiety, they become addictions that don't serve us versus being in our desire that's like creative and life generating and, and, and fuels us rather than destroys parts of us. And like, that's just one tiny little fraction of all of this. Like that's a wormhole that we could go into for days. Of like, how do we embrace all of that too? Like even the embrace the fact that we have addictions and which ones do we have? And how do we work with them when they happen? Because that's part of the journey. So like honing into the difference between distinction between desire and addiction. How right? did you say how? That's oh. kind of what you're pointing at is like, yeah, like craving. the difference between desire. I like think in really the body, the distinction. Question. Yeah, it's really there's a different question. feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting question. I'm, I'm feeling into it right now. Are you? What are you noticing? Um it's interesting because what what comes coming to me is actually about power. Yeah. It's like this authentic desire. I'm in my power, you know, and if it's an addiction, I'm not in my power. I'm something else is making me do something. Um, It has a different quality to it. You know Um, that's the first thing that comes up. There's a lot more to be. 
Oh, there's layers, of course. Explored, but exactly. But yeah. I notice in um, my body. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, just craving in my body ends up feeling like some kind of anxious thing. Like I have to have this thing. I just, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. like my mind is ruminating yeah. about it. Which and is you were, really you were kind of like your energy was going like it was contracting exactly. when you did that. It yeah, yeah. Where the desire, the, the, the authentic desire is kind of like, it's kind of like an opening, like an expansive energy. Yeah. I know. And I can feel the energy like flowing, you know, through my whole body. But when I'm anxious, when it's an anxious one, it's, it's very mental. It's like, how am I yes. going to get that thing or do that thing or yeah. complete that project or, and right. they're really different. And I think that's a great place to track it is like how to start knowing in the body when we're feeling a craving versus when we're feeling this desire rise. How do we know that? Mm -hmm. It also feels like desire for me, desire kind of moves, like kind of moves this way. Mm, and the addiction out, like, feels like yeah and the addiction feels like it's like coming down on me like that's yeah that's like, a powerful cool. distinction yeah completely oh yeah it's like <laughs> you're gonna get me it's like a big bird from the sky or something <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and yeah. and also i think that's what's really uh valuable for me to notice is and i this is what i work with people with too is um you can call it different things but i think i used to just use the term like contraction or there's this feeling of the energy is like, you know, you're contracting energetically. Yeah. And then there's a feeling of like, you're, you're expanding, you're, you're opening, you're, you know, and yeah. my general feeling is like, this one is, means I'm on the right track. And this one means. <laughs> <laughs> there's some information that wants yeah. to be seen. Yeah. yeah completely. Yeah. And, mean, and, you can, and when yeah. you, you can, you can observe people closely, you know, you can, you can see that in them. Yeah. Right. You can see them contracting or you can yeah. see them, you know, and it's helpful that someone, if someone can reflect that back to us, it's right. It's helpful to kind of, it's so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the greatest intimacy actually mm. is to, to really meet these places and get to know how we're operating so that we have more choice, more conscious choice about when it's happening. Cause we're going to contract and can we be passionate, compassionate when we do, we're going to get mm. scared yeah yeah it's the name of the game so how do people get connected with you and get connected to yeah what you're doing and what's happening in the world for you yeah well it's 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 all sort of coming into form right now but i do have a podcast which is called the power reclamation show so that's on apple spotify and um my website is my name so can maybe put that in the show notes it's Anne yeah absolutely we'll put your website in the show notes yep yeah um and that's i have two websites i do business consulting with and help leaders create change in culture like authentic and vulnerable cultures and then i have this power reclamation um so i can send you both websites if we want to just mm -hmm. put this in there and and then i'll have my quiz soon if people want to just play with that they can come on my website and give it a shot and see what powerhouse they mm -hmm. are and, and I like your, I like your Instagram, your Instagram. Uh, oh yeah, that too. Page. I, I like, yeah. I like, like what you share there. So that's a good place to connect with you. Yeah. That, and well. that's an easier one. That's at a, a Marone, M-A-R-R-O-N. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those are the ways to find me. You know what else is a, is a, is a good gateway that we haven't mentioned too, is the breath. I think the breath is such a great uh, way to, yeah. Yeah. When you were doing the contraction versus this, I was <laughs> right. like, well, one of the things you can track You're in that breathing. is your breath. Yeah. yeah. Like that's a good yeah. indicator of like, okay. Yeah. Something needs attention. So remember to breathe everybody. Yes. Remember to breathe. 
deep breaths. <laughs> I love talking to you. I always mm-hmm. enjoy it so much. And I'm so grateful that we made this happen. And thanks for being here, Henry. It was great to be with you, Brian. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for being a part of this amazing community. The Brian Piergrossi Podcast is produced by Brian Piergrossi. Assistant producer, Giovanni Piergrossi. Please subscribe and leave a review or comment on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. You can find me online on Facebook or Instagram. For personal sessions with me, contact me at thebigglow.com. That's T-H-E-B-I-G-G-L-O-W.com.